No, I mean, but the teaching at school is not your main thing. No, Allers English is my main thing. Um, but I needed okay. to uh, make some more money for some various reasons. And so I got my substitute teaching license. And now I'm substitute teaching in like six different school districts. Um, oh. And I need to need to scale that back because yeah, I but just, you're in high demand. <laughs> I scheduled so much work because I was like, oh, yay, work, work, work. Yes, 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 yes. And now I don't have enough time for the all ears English stuff. Mm. So um, I'll, I'll work it out. I'll find the balance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that, that's always a good problem to have. I, I know, right? Totally. Better than the opposite. Because sure. I mean, it, because it happens. Yeah, I mean, it happen. It, it, it happens. Um, the same thing. I have a full time job. I have a part time job, and I have this podcast thing that we do, which is like a company that we have on the side. So we do that, and I'm hosting and producing two different shows. Planning on adding some more, but and freelancing, also doing some other like puppetry work. I'm publishing a book. And it's like I'm just keeping myself busy with a lot of stuff, and. Sometimes you just don't think about giving yourself some time to relax, I think. But if yeah. it's like once you find something that you enjoy and it like serves your purpose and it's it's somewhat of a passion, uh, you just like overwhelm yourself with stuff. What do you guys think? <laughs> but that's okay. I found um, uh, I have a lot of new art hobbies to um, do the self-care time, I suppose, now I just have to find time for that. I'm getting into stained glass now. I'm well, learning how to solder stained glass together. So awesome. <laughs> so okay. I'm going to like a glass manufacturers this weekend to buy like sheets of stained glass. And I have this super cool glass cutting kit that I just got. I have so many tools. I have so That's many so tools cool. right now. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it is. It's awesome. <laughs> no, I mean, it, you, you know, funny enough, what, what I use to uh, like calm down and and just like do something different is edit podcasts. That that's <laughs> my downtime. It's like when I want to just stay away from everything and just change because everything I do is creative. Editing, there's nothing creative about it. You just edit an episode, and that's like right. that's why maybe I can't really give it to somebody else to do because it's like no, that that's my escape from from everything. It's like that that's yeah, what I do. Yeah. Speaking of which, I need to make sure that we started recording or not. did start recording my name is Amara Saban <laughs> and I'm Jessica I'm Jessica Beck um, I'm one of the hosts of the IELTS Energy podcast and I'm Aubrey Carter the other host of the IELTS Energy podcast I hope you listeners out there are following our podcast if not nice to meet you <laughs> and Aubrey you're also on All Ears English well can you tell our listeners about oh yes I'm also one of the hosts of the All Ears English podcast can you guys tell us about both shows yes and we have a new podcast as well business English too can you elaborate on both shows or all three shows yeah, totally. like what, what is each one of them Allers English is for um, really upper intermediate students, I would say. So if you're like 
intermediate level, I would say B1 or above, um, then the Allers English podcast really like dives deep into really interesting parts of the English language and American culture. Um, it could be like a dorky grammar ep- episode or what's the difference between glimpse and see or, you know, like really um, in-depth English topics. But it's all conversation-based, right, Aubrey? Exactly. I'm, I was just planning one for an upcoming episode, how we use at best and at worst, just oh, phrases fun. like that. You don't sort of think about until it comes up. And then we want to help listeners use them naturally and natively to yeah, up-level their communication. And it's all about connecting in English, right? Our motto is connection, not perfection. So we do teach grammar. We do teach some of these intricacies, but with the goal of really connecting with other people in English. And Amar, you were on Allers English. I got to interview you. It was an awesome episode. Yes. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah, yes, it was. It was one. it was a nice episode. And it, it it was just, you know, different. And, and it's it's nice to, you know, see how other people, you know, manage their shows and what type of information their audience are looking for and stuff. So it just it, mm. it you know, it it's good because it widens your scope of understanding how everybody else you know operate and think and 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 whatnot and i think this is this is fascinating also for our listeners which usually listen to our show in in arabic we have a few english episodes sprinkled here and there when we have somebody who doesn't speak arabic um and that's why i feel like this is this is also important and i think all ears english would be a great way for our listeners who doesn't who are not professional or you know very experienced when it comes to the English language is to learn more uh, you know to be better at uh, in uh, in understanding English because we do in our show we do use a lot of sometimes terms and 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 words English words so I think this is a great way for them to learn more about it it'd be a great supplement for and the other other podcasts Uh you have Yeah, so we also have IELTS Energy. Um, (laughs) IELTS is a test. And if you guys don't know about it, that's great because it means you don't need it. But if you do know about it, then you should probably listen to our podcast because you need to pass the exam. Um, I was an examiner for 14 years, a very long time. And Aubrey and I have been doing this podcast together. You've been on the podcast for what, like three years now? Mm-hmm. Three yeah. years. So Jessica has passed all of her insider information to me. We try to make it really fun and engaging because even though you're preparing for a test, it's still so vital that you're interested in your learning or your brain won't absorb it, right? So we make it fun. We're teaching test strategies and vocabulary, but in a really fun way on this podcast. That's why it's called IELTS Energy. What I, I mean, there's a lot of English teachers don't like teaching um, test prep, right? Because they think it's boring or it's this. I have always loved teaching test prep, teaching IELTS, because really it's an English test at the end of the day. It's an English test. So if we can teach you really amazing English, if it's like high level academic, really like intelligent sounding English um, to like the slangy way that natives talk to each other in natural conversation, um, because you need all of that to get good scores on the IELTS exam, you know? So really we could teach 
anything that is fun and connect it to IELTS. And we do. I mean, we've done what over 1200 episodes at this point. Like that's pretty wild that we could talk about a test for over 1200 episodes. I know. And the payoff is so exciting for us because it's very high stakes for students who are studying for the IELTS. They are planning to immigrate to an English-speaking country or or possibly do maybe a master's degree in English. And until they pass this exam, they can't move on with their goals and dreams. Yeah. So for a teacher to be able to hear back from students like, thank you for what you did. I was able to pass this test and move on with my life goals. How exciting is that? A lot of teachers don't always get to see the results for their students. And we do pretty quickly often, which is very exciting. I've been substitute teaching in a lot of students. Sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I'm just saying that like teaching, teaching these adults, teaching these IELTS students is um, like Aubrey said, it's a lot more satisfying than a lot of other teaching jobs because they're super (laughs) motivated. And yeah, like we get to actually see them pass this test and change their life, like get their, you know, master's or PhD in England or take their whole country to their whole country, their whole family to Canada. Imagine. (laughs) Take their whole country. And just get some helicopters, lift it up, and just drop it in Canada. <laughs> the visual. The visual is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> now, but what type of exam is it? I mean, what 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 do they test exactly in, in, in that te- that type of test? Yeah. They um it's in four sections. So usually except Australia is different. Australia starts with the writing, I think, but um Every other country in the world, you do listening, then reading, then writing, and then in the afternoon or else the day before or after, you'll have speaking. So the listening, reading, writing is in one block. Um, And it's unlike TOEFL because TOEFL is all on the computer. Um, they'll like mix up the skills, you know, TOEFL will like show you a reading and say, okay, now talk about it for a minute. And so it's really not like testing one skill at a time. Um, that's why I like IELTS Mm -hmm. as far as validating a person's skills, because the listening test is like, you're purely just listening to four different sections and it goes from easy to hard, you know, and you have to answer some questions while you listen. Um, And yeah, so that all takes like three hours and then the speaking test is less than 15 minutes, but that's face to face with an examiner. So So it's a language test. Yeah, it's an English language test and it is pretty rigorous, pretty difficult, right? It's, I feel like a lot of the students that come to us that take our online course or start listening to our podcast have often taken the exam multiple times and it's an expensive test too. So sometimes they've wasted a lot of money having to take the test over and over and over. And then they sort of finally realize, uh, I need strategies. This isn't just an English comprehension exam. I need to really understand the test and the strategies in order to score, you know, what I need because the university or the visa requirements are requiring specific scores. And it's often very difficult to get those scores if you just feel like I speak English pretty well and rock up to the test. It's unlikely that you're going to score as highly as you need, unfortunately. I had, when I was examining, I would no, have I, native it, speakers come take it and they wouldn't even get nine. Oh, yeah. 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 You know, because I, I, I took the, the, the TOEFL test before um, and it was, it was 
interesting because that was like the it wasn't the first English test I took. I took a, uh, like a like a, a long English test when I when I um uh when I started at the university here in Saudi and and because they all the curriculum that we have at I studied architecture so the curriculum was in English so we had to take like three English courses um to be able to understand and read the books and stuff so and 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 study um and i took that test and i passed it and turns out i didn't need to take any english <laughs> courses so i was ex ex exempt from those and then when i went to study for my masters in the states i had to take the toefl exam and i passed that i can't remember what score i got i think it was the computer based or internet based and it was like i think I got a 94, 96 out of 108 or something like that. So I passed that, but it was a long test. Um, but it's different. So wh wh why, why do they have two tests? Why the IELTS and TOEFL? Why, just, why not just one? TOEFL is made by ETS. It's the American um, testing service. And so a lot of American universities will uh, accept TOEFL, even though universities from all around the world will accept TOEFL, but there's only one version of TOEFL. And so the purpose of it is pretty much just academic, right? To go to university. But IELTS is made by IDP in Australia and the British Council. Um, and so they, they jointly make this test. And there's two versions and one is academic. So all the American universities will accept IELTS, but then all the universities from around the world also accept IELTS. And then the other uh, version is general and that's for immigration. So um, the United States doesn't require it because the United States has to like always be cowboys and make our own choices. But then most of the other countries... <laughs> agree that they need uh, people to pass this English exam. So if you're going to immigrate to, um, if you want your permanent residency in New Zealand, Australia, England, or Canada, then you need like pretty high scores on the IELTS general test. Okay. That's interesting. <laughs> and how, I mean, through the years, through the years in, in, in teaching these, did you see any difference in, in like, um, mentality or attitude when it comes to students? Because, I mean, definitely from when I was going to school and what I see my kids are doing now and how they think and how they interact and how they study is totally different. <laughs> my eyes just get big. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's a huge question. Do you mean just like <laughs> as compared to IELTS or just like as Aubrey and I because we're we're In teachers, general. we're also moms. Like we could, <laughs> and we were students. Um, yeah. In general, huge difference. I mean, it, oh my god, teachers in general. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I could speak to I taught high school in the Bronx in New York City. And I had to prepare these students for the NYSESLAT is what the acronym is the New York State test that what? Grew, that was like an ESL test. What is what's right. the acronym? So it's N-Y-S-E-S-L-A-T. Nice slap. That's horrible. <laughs> the New York State, it was an ESL exam. So all of these students had moved to the Bronx uh -huh. from Dominican Republic, Cuba, Puerto Rico. And most of them spoke English quite well, but they were still designated ESL. And they had to pass this test in order to sort of pass out of being ESL in high school, right? And it was an extremely difficult exam, especially because a lot of these students did not care. 
Like they didn't care if they were in ESL or not. There was the motivation just wasn't there. They, you know, they, whatever class they cared about, whatever they were interested in high school, this wasn't it. Right. So I had to really work to make it interesting for them and to make the activities fun and engaging. Also, they were in ninth and 10th grade. So they were younger. Whereas our students now that are studying for the IELTS exam are so motivated, right? They are students who are so excited and driven to either immigrate to an English-speaking country or to do further education in an English-speaking country that that's sort of almost a given. I'm always amazed by our students, by our listeners, how driven they are, how hardworking, how motivated. And even though when you're studying for an exam, It'll still take some work to stay motivated to do this test prep. But that is the main difference that I've seen is our students when I have a practice speaking test or I'm helping them with practicing to get the scores they need on the writing exam. They are so invested, both, you know, financially and also just their intrinsic motivation. I've always been impressed by that. And it's really um, refreshing to work with students who are just so motivated and driven. Um, I know listeners to this podcast uh, don't have visuals, but if you did have visuals, <laughs> you would see me looking out the window all the time because it is snow. I'm just saying I am distracted right now. I apologize because it is By snowing. Snow. <laughs> it is, okay, I live in Portland, Oregon. It's snowing in Portland. It, we're not supposed <laughs> to get that much snow. And all of a sudden it's like... Woof, it's snowing so much right now and it's distracting me. I need to close my blinds so I'm not looking right? outside. Um, I won't be offended that you're like <laughs> looking out the window I really as I'm sharing what really excites me about my job. <laughs> your passion is boring. No, I'm just kidding. Right? I the love snow your passion. is so much more interesting. <laughs> but snow. Um, but you know what, Aubrey is crazy. I don't think that a lot of school systems actually separate out um, non-English students anymore because interesting, yeah, in um, in Portland. So I've been subbing in public schools, <laughs> and that's all I'm talking about because it's a huge adventure. But yeah, in all the elementary classes that I've worked in so far, there are always. There's always at least one student who does not speak English at all yet. Like, mm. no English, which is kind of cool because now I have to use my Spanish skills, which is I can talk to a little kid nice. in Spanish. I have like that <laughs> level. That's great. But also, it's really interesting because these kids, they're learning nothing, I feel like, because they can't understand what's going on. But mm. this total immersion... They're going to speak English by the end of this year, 100%. Oh, yeah. You know, so that didn't happen when I was in school, right? ESL kids were always like in their own classroom all day. They like never mm -hmm. got to integrate into the rest of the school. Well, and when I was teaching in the Bronx, it was actually more like your experience in Portland. It was immersion. They were in all of the classes and I did pullout services for ESL. Oh, so nice. I would okay. take the students and we would have sort of separate things. And then they had... Um, my they had French class with me, which also oh. counted as ESL services because sometimes you just huh. make the best you can with what you've got. But it wasn't they weren't separated. Luckily, all of our students were already quite fluent in English. Oh, awesome. Spanish was their first language, but they understood their general courses because 
that child you're talking about, all of these students who move here from elsewhere, imagine taking chemistry classes and U.S. government, U.S. history when you don't speak the language yet. I can't imagine the frustration. And like you said, they'll learn it fast in full immersion. But that, what a headache to sit through those classes and understand so little at first. Very difficult. I can't imagine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Amar, when did you start learning English? Oh, I, I started learning English. Well, I was I was born in California. So, so um, I went to... Was it kindergarten? I think first year of kindergarten or something like that. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I don't know. Anyways, but I started like just really early on just watching, you know, Sesame Street and Bugs Bunny cartoons and, and stuff like that. So and listening to music. So you pick it up. And um, and then when you go to school, they always we always had like English courses, you had to learn English, you start, of course, with ABCs and very simple words and stuff. And then you move on. But uh, I think I just learned by absorbing and, and I wasn't, I was never really uh, an academic uh person still I'm, I'm not i love learning you know i'm i'm curious about a lot of stuff but it's like i just i just don't like and i don't respond to uh structured academic education um and that maybe that's one of the reasons why i went into you know edutainment where i, I worked with the arabic version of, of sesame street i became a puppeteer i became a voice actor and i'm doing you know these podcasts because I feel like, you know what, I, I want to learn and I know other people would like to learn, but they don't want yeah. it to be really structured. And oh. so I want to do it like in a free form in a way that that works for me. And then that's, that's, that's one thing is like for with, with me personally and a lot of other kids, um, it was really hard for a teacher or a professor at college to keep my attention. It's like I get distracted so easily i think i have adhd and stuff so it was really hard for 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 teachers to keep my attention but if they're talking about something that's really interesting for me um i'm i'm, I'm gonna be you know laser focused but it's uh, other than that it was really hard so how do you deal as teachers both of you how do you deal with with kids that are really hard uh, that you find it hard to to get them to you know give you their attention, their full attention to to understand and to learn. <laughs> well, uh, I'm I'm currently developing some strategies for that right now in real time. Um, no, it's tough. I mean, Aubrey, <clears throat> we don't teach like kids usually. I mean, our jobs, it, like we teach highly motivated adults. You know, like that's where we've been for a long time. Um, but Aubrey, you've taught kids online and in life, right? Like in real life. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. it's, yeah, it's not easy. There's always going to be kids that um, have ADHD or just are not into it for a variety of reasons. Classroom management is so hard. Um, mm. It really is, right? Just trying to like... Um, be empathetic. Know when someone's losing attention because you have to like you have to catch that before it goes too far. <laughs> if you can if you can gather them back in early, then that's going to be easier. I guess just like altering the activities, um, allowing like brain breaks and movement breaks is really vital. Um, trying to tap into a variety of learning styles, having activities that cater to you know kinesthetic learners, auditory learners, all of it. 
Um, yeah, it's a challenge. That's probably the biggest challenge as a teacher, right? Yeah, I feel like you just summarized my master's degree in ESL <laughs> there in three sentences, because that really was the focus is thinking about how you cannot just lecture to a full class and expect every student to be learning the same, right? Those different learning styles, kinesthetic learners, you know, visual learners, you have to be able to tap into what works for these different students. And then differentiation, how much did we talk about differentiation and scaffolding, where you have to make it accessible? for each student, both those who are much more advanced and are quickly finished and bored, as well as those who are struggling and needing more resources, something different to help them ac access what you're access what you're teaching. <laughs> access. <laughs> access. <laughs> so yeah, it is very difficult. And now, now that we're teaching adults, it is different, right? We don't have the behavior management. We don't have um, a lot of those things that classroom teachers deal with. Jessica is as a substitute teacher. But with our IELTS students, it is a different ball game. It's more about figuring out, for example, like finite grammar rules. We can't teach them the, the way a student would find them online. We need to teach it in a way that simplifies it and makes it interesting and caters to this test, right? Should you be worried about that grammar rule? Is it going to help your score? Right now, we're sort of all focused on helping our students get the IELTS scores they need. And that includes helping them not waste time on things that aren't going to help their score as much. And that's been really interesting to sort of come at it from that direction as well. I think, yeah, I mean, for whether we're teaching IELTS or I'm in a second grade classroom, like whatever we're doing as teachers, I think Aubrey and me and Lindsay, all of us share, um, share the like, why are we doing this? Right. And it comes back to the all ears English motto of connection, not perfection. That is really everything. If we can connect to students, if we can engage you as people, if we can encourage you to feel more confident in yourself and in language, because as adults, it's not so much the language, it's the confidence a lot of the time, right? And it's yes. just like, we want to allow you and encourage you to connect with the with the life and with the people that you want to, whether that's through English or whatever avenue that you're interested in. Um, so like it starts with a respect for the students for learning in the first place. But then like what we want to do is just open those doors for you to connection. And that's again, like it doesn't matter what we're teaching. Like that's really like the goal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's 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 really also interesting when it comes to specifically learning a new language. Um, this is something I feel like a lot of people don't really um, focus on is that for you to be, uh, let's say, fluent in understanding and speaking a language and or let's say communicating in a language, um, you need to really understand the culture also. I mean, yeah. a lot of the things like I've, I've when I when I look at um, some people when they watch the news or uh, TV shows or stand-up comedy or whatever. I mean, if you understand the culture and how these people live, how they think, what, what's going on, and, you know, you will understand or you'll be able to communicate better because 
a lot of totally. how we communicate as people have to, has to do with a lot of slang, a lot of you know gestures, a lot of you know um, acronyms or or, or um, metaphors and Absolutely. stuff like that. So all of that sure. has to do with culture. So it's not just about learning you know words and and it's it's more about also the people. Absolutely. I was going to say there are things that you don't even realize are um, related to culture. We had a listener write in, and she was from Japan, and she had noticed that on the podcast, Lindsay had shared a specific date. She had said, like, I haven't owned a car since 2004. And she was very surprised. She said, I feel like in Japanese, we wouldn't share that date. We would just say, like, in a long time. She said, is this cultural? You know, in the United States, are you more likely to share a date? And it made for a really interesting podcast episode of, like, when should you share the date? When would we? And I don't know as far as every culture, but I would never have thought of that as something like if I'm learning a language, that's something I also should know about, like to be more native, to sound more natural in this culture, you know, something like that, something small like that, that we wouldn't even think about, let alone slang and idioms and metaphors. Like you mentioned, there are so many small nuances that are different from culture to culture. Um, and the, I'm sure you study this in your master's as well, right? But like so much of becoming fluent or reaching those higher levels in a language is getting into the target culture, right? Target language, target culture. Um, but that's so easy to do nowadays if you're into English because <laughs> go online, like find your community in English. You can find groups of people. 100% who love whatever you love. Doesn't matter what it is. It could be Legos. You'll find like a group of adults who build Lego sculptures on the weekends and talk about it in English. Like you can find you can find your people. You can connect to your people in English in any language these days, right? Online. And Absolutely. what a great motivation. Like that is yeah. connecting. That's the goal, not just like knowing a verb tense, right? right? And you'll become fluent so much faster because you'll forget your learning. And that's also really what we try to do as teachers, right? We want you to forget your learning because then you're going to learn a lot more. Exactly. And imagine all exactly. of the resources, this is something right? YouTube, TikTok, whatever you're interested in, find a podcast, find a TV show. That's really where you're going to the fluent, like you said, with Sesame Street, right? How much more fluency comes when you're really engaged with the material. When you're listening to a podcast you love with hosts you love, your brain just soaks up so much more. And that's something we've noticed also with our shows. We, we've noticed that sometimes some of our listeners, very little, but it's like some of them are non-Arabic speakers and they're trying to learn. Either they're living in, the, in, a, in an Arabic country or just loves the language or trying to learn the language. So they listen to our podcast because... We do use sometimes some, you know, again, a sprinkle of, of uh, uh, English words here and there, but for them, they learn Arabic and they're listening to something that's interesting for them. Uh, like one of our shows is called, is called uh, Cartoon Carton, and it's, it's the whole idea of the show is us discussing animation and uh, reviewing films or shows or talking about this voice actor or that director or this writer or just the concept um, or like top 10 villains in Disney movies and mm -hmm. stuff. But it's something that a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, but you know, there's a number of, of people, you know, in, in the world who are adults and still enjoys cartoons and love yeah. cartoons to the point of 
they want to discuss it and they want to talk about it. And I would they argue want a lot like of a people. Where they go. I know. A lot of us like cartoons, <laughs> <laughs> especially with so much animation made for adults these days, right? Bob's Burgers and South Park. I There's so love much great Bob's animation. Burgers. That's for adults. <laughs> yes. Oh yes. And I'm, I'm I'm happy. Like my my oldest son, he's 18 now, and he just got introduced to South Park, and he started to watch it, right. and he loves it. And I was like, oh, yeah. I'm happy because it's like, yes, that's 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 really nice comedy. You should you should watch that. It's a bit yeah, absurd. The trouble with South Park, a little bit out there, daughter, but it's like it's then they start asking you to explain some of the jokes, and you're like, oh no, I don't want to explain that to you. <laughs> go ask your friends. Go Google it. <laughs> there's a lot of adult it. humor. There's tons. So yeah, like oh, yeah. South Park and Family Guy. Oh my God. Yeah. James and I, my son and I watch a lot of Family Guy. It's so irreverent. It is so rude. It is so to the extreme of every possible politically incorrect idea that it really sparks like these conversations. And sometimes like They'll make a joke on Family Guy and James' eyes will get so big because we're in the land of political correctness. We're in Portland, yeah. Oregon. Right. We are like, <laughs> everyone is like n- nice here and worried about You don't feelings. see the other side as much. Yeah. No. <laughs> and so like, they'll make a joke at Family Guy and his eyes will go so- And like, he'll check in with me a lot to see if it's okay to laugh or not. Because like, he's right. genuinely not sure. He's like, what? Okay. And he'll like... <laughs> look at me and I'm like it's funny like it's just a joke um no it's great it teaches cynicism it teaches you know I I love it I love those shows and there are a lot of things I would happily just I'll start explaining and my 13 year old daughter will be like nope just kidding I don't want to know don't tell me I'll ask a friend I'm like you asked (laughs) I know I love it well and then what's what's also interesting is that also it what I love about comedy, so I'm a comic and I and I write comedy and I and I do sketches and comic sketches and stuff. But what's interesting is when you learn about a certain culture, you understand you understand through comedy what they think and how they behave and stuff like totally. that, and you know what's okay and what's not okay sometimes. Because for us in an, in an, in a Middle Eastern culture, comedy is we we do have comedy but it's like making fun of a situation or of someone or it is not it's it's looked i don't want to say looked down upon but it looked it's looked at as a um means of degrading people or making fun of them it's not something positive Mm. so when they see a show like a family guy or like there's one episode i remember from uh american dad um and that episode it was like uh they went to Saudi Arabia and they were making fun of Saudi Arabia it was like they're at oh the airport gosh. and they're waiting for their luggage at the conveyor belt and then a camel you know is like sitting oh with the no. luggage you know as if somebody's just you know transferred the camel and they had like uh, the religious police and they had the woman you know it's like obeying her husband and if she goes out without his permission people with swords come and bring her back home so it was an exaggeration yeah and it was also an exaggeration of like american culture where at the end of the episode it's like you have the american uh, you know army coming in with planes and dropping beer and jeans and stuff and it's like hey we americanized like you know this country so that Here's they're civilized Levi's so it's making Levi's. fun of both places <laughs> exactly so it was making fun of both for, for me somebody who understands american culture and understands the comedy and stuff i laughed at it because 
It's funny, and I know this show makes fun of everybody. It yeah. makes fun of themselves, it makes fun of other people. So I was happy that we were included, you know? <laughs> But other people in the country were like offended. It's like, sure. how dare they do something like this? Well, you need to understand the culture. They're not doing this to degrade you or to make fun of you. It's a joke. We're, we're laughing together about the absurdity of some of the things that we think or uh, some, some of our behavior. And To make it funny, you have to exaggerate it. So it's an yeah. exaggeration is just just in a parody just to make it, you know, funny. So you need to really understand the culture of, of a place and of those artists and where they come from to understand why they're doing this and if it's offensive or not. You are bringing up something really interesting, at least about American culture, I feel like, where that is evolving so much. I feel like even a decade ago, there were so many things that were perfectly acceptable to make fun of, make jokes about that we're starting to realize, is the joke worth offending at a certain level? Yeah. And I think people are starting to be more thoughtful about it because we do want to build bridges and build on, you know, commonalities rather than tear that down by creating offense. So I think you're right that often no one is meaning to offend and no one is is wanting to do something at the level where where people will take offense, but sometimes you do unknowingly or you do knowingly. And I think it's good that in our culture, we're starting to be more thoughtful about, should we be making these jokes? And some of them we're realizing we should not be. For sure. And like, I guess if you, there's a lot of comedy that has not aged well, obviously, but I think right. you can tell the, the spirit in which the joke was made, right? Like, um, mm -hmm. if I look at a family guy that is totally offensive, I know the spirit in which it is made is it's meant to be ridiculous and it's meant to call out stuff that the creators do have opinions on, you know? And if you're, if you're not like, maybe of the same uh, liberal bent as the creators, maybe you won't think it's funny or you know what I mean? But like mm -hmm. there's, there's some jokes that were just created in a spirit of um, being uneducated um, in the nineties and like um, calling out like same sex couples and stuff like that. Like there was, there's nothing funny about those jokes at least anymore. Right. I don't even know if I laughed at it then. I hope I didn't, <laughs> but there's, but those jokes aren't meant to um, endear or show respect or educate. Those jokes are just meant to be mean. Right. And just to like at the cost of someone else be funny, but I don't feel like the jokes in family guy or in team America, right. The South park dudes like that movie. I don't think those jokes, those jokes aren't meant to be mean. They're just, they're so, they just want to be funny. Like that is it. They don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. Yeah. It's not about that. Like they just want to be funny. <laughs> That's a good point. Like what is the spirit of the joke of the humor, right? A lot of racism from the past, like you said, things haven't aged well. There was, there was no good spirit behind that, right? It was just meant to be mean, mean spirited. And you can feel that you really feel a difference for sure. I guess it's like, does the creator know? Well, that, that's why one of the things that I do also, yeah. I mean, one of the things as, 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 a, as a comedy writer and when I write jokes and stuff, uh, it's, it's a rule that I have that I don't make fun of who 
someone is or like make fun of something that you have no control over you have mm-hmm. no control over your height you have no control over your race you have no control you know over you know any disabilities that you have but I I would make fun and and laugh together about a decision you made or you know an action that you decided to you know to undertake and stuff that's okay because we can learn from that and 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 evolve and maybe also laugh at at, at ourselves and have a good time but if something that you have no control over I don't think it's really tasteful to yeah. you know make fun of because that just makes people feel bad about themselves It's true yeah totally There's a great idiom in English, fair game, to say that's fair game, right? What you're talking about. If it's you're teasing someone for a mm-hmm. decision they made, something they did have control over, that's all fair game. And I'm I'm going to make fun of you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't want to take too much of your time. I know, uh, Jessica, you have a class to have to run to. So if you want to just, you know, plug and tell people how they can find you, how can they listen to your shows, you can just... Tell them right yeah, now. definitely. So um, if you are looking to improve your English language fluency, um, definitely check out All Ears English. Um, there's over, let me see, I think almost 8 million downloads a month for All Ears English. People from all over the world are learning to connect through the show and have been for years. It's We can't recommend it enough. So search for All Ears English wherever you get podcasts. It's everywhere. Um, and then if you are preparing for IELTS or if you just want to hang out with me and Aubrey because we have super fun conversations, <laughs> yes, um, check out the IELTS Energy podcast again. Wherever you get your podcasts, we are there. And there's a new business English podcast from All Ears English that we haven't mentioned. Right, Aubrey? Yeah, that's right. If you just search All Ears English, you'll see all three of our podcasts come up. They all have a bright yellow square with us. Follow all three. They're all great. You're going to learn new vocabulary every time, idioms, phrasal verbs. And we always share it in a way with the goal of helping you use it when you're speaking English to connect with others, whatever your goal is. Yep. Awesome. Amazing. And I'm sure... People will uh, go and check that out. Is there anything that you, like any message you want to send to people in the Middle East who are listening to this podcast? (laughs) You should have prepared us for that. You should have said that question before. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, No, I... I mean, it could be. I would say that we, we would love to connect with you. However, you are open to connecting online. We are also on Instagram And we love teaching little tidbits of knowledge on there and reading your guys' comments. And we actually have a large following um, in Iran. And um, we know that there's a – Iran – I know there's a lot of Iranians following us on Instagram. And then I know in Saudi we have a bunch of great fans already that follow the IELTS Energy podcast. So however you would like to interact with us, social media, podcast, YouTube, you guys were everywhere. And we want to teach you. No matter where you are, we want to teach you. Yes, right? Come be part of the Allers English community. It's really fun, energetic, positive always. I think it's a great way to start your day or end your day if you just have a few minutes to spend learning some English. Come spend it with us. Because we're great. Amazing. <laughs> And I'm sure they will. 
and you definitely are. Uh, that's our episodes. I hope I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, you can find us at MSTDFR on Instagram or Twitter, or you can also send us emails um, with whatever inquiries you have, or if you want to be part of the show, or you want to tell us whatever, you can just send us an email at hello at mustadfirmstdfr.com. Um, Jessica, Aubrey, thank you so much for being part of this episode. I really enjoyed the conversation, and we hope to have you again in another episode soon. Awesome. Yes, thank you. Thank so you. nice to thank meet you. So Thanks for having us. Bye. Bye. Same here. That's a wrap. Bye.